We wanted to let you know at the outset, today's program is a rebroadcast of one of our best episodes. Whether you're hearing today's program for the first time or you're a faithful listener, we're sure you'll enjoy hearing the great truths in this episode once more. Today, thinking differently about Leviticus. This is the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Connolly. We'll join our host and Bible teacher, Chris Katolka, in a moment. Last week, Chris really helped us clear the fog that often covers the book of Leviticus by giving us the reason the book was written by Moses. This week, Chris wraps up his series on Leviticus as he challenges us to be holy as God is holy. A quick reminder, if you missed last week's message, visit foiradio.org. In our short segment, fascinating insights into Israel's recent discovery of natural gas and oil, and later, apples of gold. Stay with us. Last week, we were looking at the book of Leviticus, and we asked the question, how can we think differently about Leviticus? Because let's be honest, you know, Leviticus is often not the book that we turn to when we think about studying God's word or or doing devotions. And yet Leviticus is a foundational book when it comes to key theological issues like the theology of holiness or the theology of sacrifice, which gives a basis for Christ's sacrifice, or the theology of the high priest, which gives rise for Christ being our mediator our high priest who stands on behalf of us. All of that great theology comes from the book of Leviticus. And last week I argued that the title Leviticus can often be incredibly deceiving because it sounds like it was only written for the Levitical priests, the ancient Israelite priests, when in reality the book was really written for the average everyday Israelite who wanted to worship God. Leviticus gave instructions for this Israelite on when he should go to the sanctuary or what he should bring to the sanctuary or or what he can expect the priests to be doing when they arrive at the sanctuary. It gave incredible instructions on what to expect for special holidays like Passover and Yom Kippur. So really, When you read the book of Leviticus, it's good to remember that this book was written for the average, everyday Israelite who wanted to know how he could worship God. And I like to think if I were an ancient Israelite who loved the Lord and wanted to be more like him, I would gobble up the contents of this book so that I could know how to be holy as God is holy. And really... This is at the center of the entire book of Leviticus as we think differently about the book. Holiness. If there are two things to remember about Leviticus whenever you read it, it's this. First, like we talked about last week, God wants to have a relationship with his people and he is fighting through space, time, and sin to make it happen. The book of Leviticus and other sections of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are simply the mechanism to allow God to interact with mankind despite their sinfulness. The second, the the one I want to focus on today, is holiness. If God is fighting to have a relationship with us, is the theme of the book, then holiness is the purpose of the book. 
If there was one verse that I think could really summarize the entire book of Leviticus, it's this. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Leviticus 20, 26. Israel was chosen to accomplish a task that no other nation on earth was given, and that was to be the promoters of God's plan of redemption for mankind. The whole nation of Israel was designed to direct people to God's grace and mercy, and they were supposed to do this through the way they lived as a community, through their own public and personal way of living. God wanted their lives as Israelites to be a personal reflection of his character in the ancient world. Now, I can't go through every law in the book of Leviticus. It would take way too long to go through the whole book. But maybe we can take a story and filter the laws through this story so that you can see how following God in Leviticus was designed to benefit the community and to spread the message of God through the nations. I want you to imagine something here for a moment. I want you to step back in time with me. You're an ancient Egyptian tradesman. Every year you lead a caravan of camels full of spices, special silks and other tapestries, maybe some food. You know, you get the point. You're you're like a driver of a big semi-camel bringing goods from one area of the world to another. And naturally, you had to travel through the land of Israel because... At that time, it was the natural land bridge between all the known areas of the world. I believe it's the reason God chose Israel, because all peoples went through Israel. So you're traveling this ancient highway system, and the sun's about to set in a few hours. So you decide, I'm going to take a stop. I'm going to rest. I'm going to stay at a local hotel this evening in Israel, and it's Friday night. So you arrive at the front desk of this ancient Israelite hotel, and the owner is moving at a quicker pace than normal. And you tell him, you know, I'd like a room for the night. And he says to you, I'm in a hurry for Sabbath preparations. I'll be with you in one moment. So you, as an Egyptian who's never encountered an Israelite before, you say, what's Sabbath? And he explains to you, oh, it's a day of rest. You know, no work from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Now, bear in mind, my friends, during the days of ancient Israel, there were no weekends off for the rest of the world. In fact, the Romans called Jewish people lazy because they took a day off from work to focus on God. So you can imagine the surprise of this Egyptian when he finds out that the Jewish people take a day off. So you ask him, why are you taking a day off? And he replies as he's scurrying around, To honor our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You finally get the keys to your room and you tell the hotel owner, I'd like some fried catfish for dinner, please. And the hotel owner chuckles a bit and says, "Uh, we don't serve catfish. Okay, then I'll take a ham sandwich. And the hotel owner says, "Uh, we don't serve ham. And you're perplexed. You know, why not? And the hotel owner replies, to honor our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We do have a wonderful falafel, though. The next morning, you set off on your long journey, and all along the way, you stop and talk to people, telling them about this God of the Jewish people, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
who's called his people to live separate lives, lives separated for his glory, for God's glory. And as God said, be holy as I am holy. It can all seem very tedious to fulfill all the laws and what some of us call restrictions found in the book of Leviticus. But really, following all the different laws were meant to be both an expression of one's love for God because of his presence with his people and an outward expression to the world of what it meant to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be holy as God is holy. This concept of holiness or setting oneself apart isn't only a way of life for the ancient Israelite community. The Apostle Peter grabs a hold of this theme from the book of Leviticus, and in 1 Peter 1.15 says this, You shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy. In 1 Peter, when Peter's talking about the Christian life, he's talking about the beauty of what it means to follow God, to be like him. Our love for God as Christ followers should be seen in an outward expression of our dedication to the new law that we follow, the law of Christ. This is how we reach whatever culture the Lord puts in our way for Christ. My friends, Next time you open the book of Leviticus, don't be burdened by the laws or the cultural differences and simply think to yourself, I could, I could never live like this. Instead, see the value of Leviticus. And remember, God is fighting to have a relationship with us. And as a result, we should want to be more like his son. We should want to be holy as Christ is holy. We should want to be conformed more into the image of Jesus as a result of what he's done for us. Chris, so many of us in the church look at the lives of Old Testament believers as having lived a life of burden under the law, because we often hear that the law is burdensome. But what I'm hearing you say today is it was never supposed to be oppressive. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think John sums this up perfectly in the Gospel of John when he talks about the coming of Christ, uh, when the Word became flesh in John 1, 14 and 17. And he says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And here John is mentioning something amazing about the law. The law was something that was designed to be grace because it was God communicating his character to mankind. But when Jesus comes, he literally is the manifestation of the grace of God. 
And so we see something amazing in the law. It was never supposed to be burdensome. It was supposed to open our eyes to the the holiness of who God is, but at the same time, make us realize that we could never live up to that standard. And that was the reason for sending his son, Jesus, to die in our place, that we might be able to meet that holiness through his son only. It always struck me that even after mankind sinned and disobeyed God, the Lord has been fighting tirelessly to be with us again, to have a relationship with us. And one of the ways the Lord fought to be with his people was through the tabernacle. The Friends of Israel has a book called The Tabernacle, Shadows of the Messiah, to help you understand more fully about the significance of the tabernacle in the plan of God. I have author David Levy with me in studio. David, can you tell us why you felt the need to write on the tabernacle? Yes, Chris, I've uh, read many books on the tabernacle, and I've found them to be wanting in the sense that the typology didn't seem to be scriptural, or they were uh, just uh, too simple and didn't really get into detail the tabernacle. I wrote this book because most books don't deal with the priesthood, the sacrificial system, and I wanted to put a trilogy together. This book is written simply, systematically, and scriptural. More people buy this book because of that. Folks, you will not be disappointed. The Tabernacle, Shadows of the Messiah. Order your copy today at foiradio.org. Israel's first woman prime minister once joked, let me tell you something that we Israelis have against Moses. He took us 40 years through the desert in order to bring us to the one spot in the Middle East that has no oil. You know, Golda had a clever way of using her sense of humor to expose a serious issue that was facing Israel in its infancy. How can this little country in the Middle East thrive if it has no stable commodity like oil to export. So the citizens of Israel took it upon themselves instead to look past the typical way of building wealth in the Middle East and instead to invest their time, money, and energy in an uncommon venture, technology and innovation. As a result, Israel's tech-savvy communities have become a resource to several Fortune 500 companies looking for the next big discovery. Israel's ingenuity has made the little country of Israel seem much bigger than it looks. And today, many of the technological advancements found in agriculture, computing, medicine, telecommunications, and military defense originate from the minds of Israelis. But maybe Golda spoke a little too soon. The past six years in Israel has seen some of the most amazing natural gas and oil discoveries. In 2005, think about this, Egypt and Israel signed a 15-year agreement that Egypt would provide much-needed natural gas to Israel. 
But with the rise of the Arab Spring, Egypt eventually canceled its agreement with Israel in 2012. But in God's good timing, Israel had discovered a massive natural gas field in 2009, 56 miles off the coast of the Mediterranean called the Tamar. The Tamar field started providing Israel with its own natural gas in 2013, just in the nick of time. But that's not all. In 2010, a year after finding the Tamar, a Houston-based energy company called Noble Energy found an even larger natural gas field called the Leviathan 80 miles off the coast of Israel. These two massive natural gas fields, the Tamar and the Leviathan, put Israel in a very unique place. No longer are they dependent on Arab countries for natural gas. Now they are completely self-sustaining. Israel went from no natural energy resources to becoming an exporter in less than six years. So now that Israel has natural gas covered, news broke that an oil company digging around in the Golan Heights found a massive shale field full of oil. The shale field is 10 times larger than the average field found worldwide, which is a good sign for long-term sustainability. Now, the question is whether or not it's worth fracking for this oil because fracking in shale requires a lot more financially to extract oil. So energy companies need to count the cost to find out if it's beneficial to move forward. These recent discoveries are good for the Israeli people and the Israeli economy, and it really could potentially help alleviate the high cost of living in Israel. Currently, the biggest obstacle to building Israel's newfound natural gas economy is Israel itself. The Israeli government has been the biggest obstacle to this natural gas production out of fears of an energy monopoly. However, Israel's feeling the pressure now that Egypt recently found its own natural gas field in the Mediterranean as well and could become a major competitor in exporting uh, natural gas. So Israel's going to be moving much quicker in making sure that they will be a major player in natural gas exports. You know, Golda Meir had no reason to believe Israel would become a major player in the oil and gas business. Yet, I believe that it was good for Israel that they didn't find these reserves early in their history. Oil and gas in the Middle East is easy money. Look at the wealthy countries like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates that are incredibly wealthy. But outside of oil, they're dead in the water. And more and more technology is pushing us away from fossil fuels. When that day comes, what will these oil-producing countries do? The good news for Israel is that oil and gas doesn't define the Israeli economy. Innovation defines the Israeli economy. Innovation for the future is Israel's agenda, which will propel it far into the future, far beyond whatever oil and gas they can extract. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. 
Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. Miracles do not happen every day. Therefore, when they do, we must thank the Lord who alone has the power to perform them. This past week, my wife and I went to Tel Aviv on an errand. Afterward, my wife said, It's almost time to catch the bus back to Jerusalem. I want to get home early. Why do you have to rush, I asked. Let us take our time. But I gave in, and we hurried along. When we arrived at the station, we learned that we had just missed the bus to Jerusalem. Fifteen minutes later, the next bus arrived. About a half hour after leaving Tel Aviv, we heard that the bus we were hurrying to catch had been attacked by a terrorist. Fifteen people died, and many were seriously injured. As we passed the site of the crash, we saw ambulances and helicopters. Everyone on our bus was outraged. The man in front of us said, The minute I got home, I'm going to spread pure oil on the mezuzah on my doorpost. We all must do this to thank God for preserving our lives. I said, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. I am praying that the Lord will heal the injured and comfort the families of the dead instead. The longer we drove, the more foolish this man's statements became. I told him, you feel you are right with God, but you are spiritually blind. As it is written, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Matthew fifteen fourteen. Oh, that someone would remove the dust from your eyes. He became extremely angry and said, That is enough. I do not believe you are Jewish. I assured him I was a Jew. But he responded, You are not. You talk like the Gentiles. Some of the others agreed and became suspicious. I told them about my love for Israel, my service in Israel's wars. I then challenged the man to prove he was a better Jew than I. I said, We, as the chosen people of God, should be a light to all nations. But how can we tell other nations? If you spread pure oil on your doorpost, you'll be cleansed from your sins and find acceptance with God. That's ridiculous, and the nations would think we were fools. Please think for yourselves, I urged them. Do not follow the empty faith of false teachers. God told our forefathers, You shall not go after the gods of the peoples who are all around you. Everything I have said is in your own Hebrew scriptures. If you open your eyes and read God's word, rather than books of tradition, you will see what the Lord has done for us and how he wants us to worship him. As it is written, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. He has chosen you for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on earth. We discussed the Lord for the remainder of the ride. My wife and I praised the Lord for miraculously preserving our lives that day. We prayed fervently for those who were injured and for the families of those who were killed. We also prayed for the man on the bus who was so confused about how to properly thank and worship God. We prayed that he and the others will allow the Lord to save their spiritual lives as he did their physical lives. 
Mike Kellogg with a dramatic reading from Svi Kalisher's longstanding column in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you don't receive Israel, My Glory, there's a cost for a subscription, but... As I've told you before, if you've never subscribed, we'll give you a full year, six issues of Israel My Glory, for free. Contact us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Once again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. You can also fill out the form at foiradio.org to request your free subscription to Israel My Glory. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Galeon. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Mm-hmm.